0: hey everybody and welcome to episode number 27 of the kickabout with me chris and as always we have dan and fran with us So, as usual, lots to talk about, lots of stories, controversy, and uh, things to take away from the weekend's action, which, of course, is still going on. Uh, West Ham launching themselves into fourth place earlier tonight with a 3-0 win at Sheffield United or against Sheffield United. And I believe Chelsea against Newcastle has either just kicked off or is about to. I'm not sure what the the kickoff time was. Um, And then, yeah, so a couple of uh, quick announcements, I suppose. So, obviously, last week the quiz finished. Um, there is still discussion going on about what the forfeit is going to be, but don't worry. We haven't forgotten about it. I will be doing something embarrassing, I'm sure. Um, but in place of that, obviously, we've got a new quiz game. We've got a new Football with France season two, as we're calling it and we're going to do a dummy run of it tonight so you guys can get a feel for what it is. And then from next week, we're going to start getting some guests on the show um, to talk about their club that they support, talk about what's, what's going on in, in their club's world, um, and just sort of generally talk about football, maybe some of their experiences going to grounds, et cetera, et cetera. And then we will have a, a, a guest versus host quiz from for the foreseeable future, whereby um, one member of the Kickabout, so either me or Dan, we would uh, represent the kickabouts and the guest will try and beat us. And we'll see how we go uh, for a little while. And then we'll have a. Uh... I don't know what we we'll do. We can't really give out a prize because if the guests win, does that mean we've got to get every single guest a prize? <laughs> 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 be a bit expensive. So, but anyway, more details for that later on. Um, and as always, we are going to start the night with this down the stack, man
1: right so i'm not gonna lie this is it's gonna be a tricky uh, stat for you to guess but i'll be impressed if anybody out there does get it um i've gone for this stat because as you know it was valentine's day yesterday so i've gone for a valentine's day stat um and the stat is obamiang was the third player in premier league history to score a hat trick on valentine's day but can you tell me who the other two are
0: so, what's really annoying is I saw this stat come up, but I didn't read it. <laughs> I saw it somewhere.
1: <laughs> I mean, if I, I could tell you one of the teams they play for, but if I told you the other player's team, it would give it away because, yeah, I'm not going to say why. But I can tell you that both players played in red.
0: Okay. Are we talking quite recent or are we talking like a reasonable amount of time? We're talking in the 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Were you born, Dan? Uh, I was born, yes. And you would have been, how old would you have been when this player scored their hat-trick? Um, well,
1: one <laughs> was on, one. well, I'll tell you the years, actually. One was 1994, which is when I was born, and the <laughs> other one was 1998.
0: Oh, dear, you youngins, honestly. I'm, 30, I'm 32 this year. I'm getting old. <laughs> right okay as usual we will find out the answer to that later on in the show so let's dive into some premier league action so we're going to start with uh liverpool fans are not going to thank us for constantly talking about their team but of course unfortunately there's a you know it's a big thing when, when liverpool uh continue to to do badly it unfortunately doesn't make the news so leicester against liverpool um we'll, we'll start talking about liverpool we'll, we'll start on a negative note and end on a high note talking of leicester <laughs> But it's four defeats in the last six games now for Liverpool. Um, You know, before this run, they had four defeats in two seasons. Um, I mean, they're they're the third worst team in the league now from a form point of view over the last six games. Um, Mm. Or the joint third worst. I should say there's about three or four teams on the same sort of uh, bad run of form. But this is... This is bordering on becoming a real, real issue now for Liverpool, isn't it? I mean, this is no longer just a bit of a laugh and a joke about how they had a dip in form. There's, there's a fundamental issue wrong here at, at Liverpool at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think you can sort of see uh, how frustrated Klopp's getting because the media start to push and push and push mm. and uh, you start to see the cracks.
2: Do you think they're just knackered? Or do you think there's something more... I don't, I don't I think, think, think that's, they... I
0: think that's part of it. I don't think that's the full story, but I do think that's part of it.
2: I don't know if it's necessarily I it's fair to blame the fact that yeah they've got a lot of players missing through injury like I was going I was going to initially say my point would have been that they've been doing really well considering all a lot of their players are out and I don't think you can blame that but then thinking about it like squad rotation they can't rotate as much because a lot of their players are out
1: yeah, yeah. I, I saw a thing today and uh, I don't really accept the whole injury thing for Liverpool because Man City have played the entire season without Aguero. They've missed De Bruyne for a lot of it. They've been without Laporte. They've been without quite a few players. I can't remember the other lot off the top of my head, but they've been without some key players. And obviously they had a dip in form at the start, but now they're they're running away with it.
0: Mm. I, I do think I, the only thing I would say from, from Liverpool's defence though is that... We, I would say covering a striker's absence is easier than covering your best center half. And when I say best enough, I'm talking best by a country mile. Um, Man City obviously brought in Ruben Diaz in the summer. Um, now, obviously Liverpool could have brought in a better center back, another center back in the summer, but obviously having Joe Gomez, Matip, um, you think you've got enough cover there. Um yeah, so they've got they've got Nathan Acker, they they've got Laporte, they've got uh, Diaz, they've got uh, Kyle Walker, who can play in sort of uh, as part of a three. You've got John Stones' resurgence now as well. So they had a lot more depth to their squad than Liverpool had. Um, yeah, but
1: I mean, before that, John Stones was piss poor, to put it bluntly. You know, if if who have they? I don't know. If uh, this Kabak, I know he's only just joined, but if he was playing, if he'd been there and he was playing. You're not like John Stones is then you, you wouldn't be like oh you know they've got this this Kavak, et etc. So I don't really the difference is the city players that have had to come into the team are performing whereas the Liverpool players Liverpool players that have had to come into the team to replace the injured players are underperforming.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, you know there there is as I say, that's why I don't think it's just a case of being knackered in the injuries. I think there's, there's other things around it. It is just generally being off form. I think that's, that's a big factor. Um, Liverpool also have, they've had to expel a huge amount of energy over the last two or three seasons. Like um, I can't remember who it was. I was talking to It might have been Ian actually on chat. And he said that the amount of energy that other teams in the Premier League have to expel to keep up with Man City um, is, is phenomenal. Um and Man City are just relentless. Like you know, they had that incredible season. I think it was not last season, the season before, where they beat Liverpool to the title by what one point or wherever it was in the end. Liverpool ran them that close and still couldn't get over the line, despite any losing one game all season. Last season, obviously, Man City weren't quite at the race races. Um, had a bit of a poor season by their own standards, and now this year they've come back fighting again. So, I think a dip in form was always likely to happen. But what, what Klopp has got to do now is he's got to arrest this. He has to get this sorted because if they don't get Champions League this season, I think that is a huge, huge blow to Liverpool if they don't end up in the Champions League next year. Yeah, massively. I mean, if
1: you go from winning the Champions League and then winning the Premier League and then, I mean, finishing in sixth or seventh, then I mean, ugh, there'll be a lot of... Quit. I don't think Klopp will be sat. I think that would be going too far, but I think there'll be a lot of pressure on him.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but I mean, the, the strange thing was, is that in this particular game, Liverpool went 1-0 up and actually they were playing pretty well. I mean, nobody saw, you know, what happened coming. Nobody had any clue that Liverpool were going to fall apart in the way that they did. Um, Salah amongst the goals again, which, you know, is a, is still a massive positive for Liverpool that their main man is still banging in the goals. Um and then we had this kind of ridiculous sort of, I think it was about seven minutes, wasn't it? Three goals in seven minutes or 10 minutes. Um, and it was started off by some more VAR controversy. Um, first of all, it disallowed a penalty for saying that it was outside the box, which in fairness, I think they got it right uh, from, from what I could see. Madison then whipped in the free kick, which went all the way through the players sort of low, um, low ball in into the box, right across the face of the guard into the far corner. That looked, when you looked at it, just from the side without the kind of all the lines that come in with VR. You just thought that's, he's a mile offside and he's gone for the ball. He's missed it, but he's gone for the ball. He has to be interfering with play. Um, and then of course, everyone's expecting it to be ruled out. And then you see the lines come down and you see where they're placing the lines and instantly you go, Oh, come on. <laughs> Cause you know, it's only going to go one way, but it just, it, uh, I mean, it's been documented, but it looks like they've drawn the line on the shadow of Firmino's foot or his knee or something it doesn't look like it's actually on his foot I mean if it's on his foot he must have about size 24 clown feet
1: mm.
0: yeah
1: I mean it's it's nowhere near his foot I'm not really sure what they've drawn it to because it does look a mile offside. side and uh, I know that they, I don't can't remember it was but I know they didn't touch the ball and the ball ended up going all the way through but yeah, it was a strange one. I, don't, I really don't know what they've drawn the line to because it's nowhere near Firmino's foot. So I'm not sure what it is that they're saying has kept him on side.
0: Yeah, I, I just feel like sometimes actually just do away with the lines. Just do it on the naked eye because every single person looking at that would have said 100% offside. And if, if, if VAR had turned around and said that's offside without drawing the lines, no one would have batted an eyelid. Um, and sometimes the lines just make it I don't know, unnecessarily complicated, but anyhow. So that that obviously started it all, um, and then we had another moment for goalkeeper Allison to forget. And I kind of feel sorry for Kabak, their debutante centre half in this game. Um, and this was so sort of Sunday League, wasn't it? It was absolutely dreadful.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> only thing I think Alisson would have got it if Kabak hadn't brought it down. I mean, Kabak done quite well in bringing it down, and then Alisson just gave him a big boot and. It was just one of those blooper reel moments.
0: Yeah, um, and obviously Jamie Vardy then sort of ran through and tapped it in. But in that situation, if you're the manager, who, who do you blame more there? Do you blame Kabak for not getting out of the way of Alisson or do you blame Alisson for even being there in the first place when his centre-backs probably got it completely under control? No, it's the keeper's fault, 100%. Kabak
1: is looking up. The ball is up in the air, coming down. Kabak's looking straight up at the ball to try and bring it down. Allison is the one that's running out of his goals so he will see that Kabak is there and he's obviously not shouted because there's no way that would have happened if Alisson has come out all strong and shouted at Kabak, you know saying keepers or his name etc so the only reason that's happened is because neither of them have spoken and they've both gone for it
0: yeah and then it's just sort of uh, sod's law for the way things are with Liverpool that I mean that ball could have gone anywhere absolutely anywhere and it's literally gone to ja- Jamie Vardy's feet who's <laughs> in on goal so it was just sort
1: of he pretty much walked it into the line he could have hit it from outside the area but he ran all the way into the goal and just <laughs> tapped it in from like a yard out
0: do you know what from, from uh, Vardy's point of view for the sort of shithouse that he likes doing I am surprised he didn't get on his hands and knees and head it over the line <laughs> um and then of course um Harvey Barnes then then made it three a few minutes later having found himself in a lot of space with the ball given away cheaply in midfield um it's, I suppose it's worth saying actually that it could have easen, easily been uh four at that point because Alisson actually made a made amends to a point where he made an incredible double save from Barnes from a similar angle f- from which Barnes scored actually um saved it and then got up quickly to save Vardy's rebound so it could have been even worse but that whole kind of 10 minutes just sort of completely sums up where Liverpool at the moment, you know, that that confidence is is such a fragile thing that, you know, they started well, they played well, got themselves 1-0 up, and then just one moment of controversy where things didn't quite go their way. And you could almost see it in the players. They became scared. They became, uh, they lost their focus. And it, yeah, it, it was, you could see them crumbling visibly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> game by game. I think they've lost is it 4 in
0: 5 or something now yes i believe so
1: yeah which is i mean ugh.
0: it's 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 incredible i mean no nobody you know every team's going to have a little bit of a blip of course that is but um you know and we do have to be careful sometimes to not overreact to poor form. You know, it's very easy to to look for problems where there aren't any, and it might just be a very simple case of, do you know what? We're just playing shit. It's it's very much as simple as that. It's got nothing to do with us being knackered. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, having Van someone like Van Dijk out injured because you know they have had strong sides out on the pitch. They've had their normal front three, which have been, you know, fired them to to championship winning uh teams or sorry champions league winning uh season they won the premier league with that front three so it's not like they haven't been able to field strong sides um is it just a case of that it's just a bit of confidence and they just need to ride it out and sooner or later they'll be fine
1: i think so i don't think they'll carry on this i think they will bounce back
0: um surely they're um, too good a side to not bounce back
1: Yeah, I would have thought so. And I mean, I don't know, maybe European competition coming up. Um, If they can get some wins in that, it might start to boost their confidence because they're not in any other cups, I don't think. Uh,
0: No, I don't believe so. They're not in the final of the caravan, and they've already been knocked out of the FA Cup by you boys. So. Yeah, so I think if they can, I can't remember who they've got. I think they've actually
1: got quite a tough draw, but I think they've got maybe Atletico Madrid or something like that. But I mean, if they can beat them, then I think that will definitely boost their confidence.
0: Yeah. And then just finally, before we talk about, uh, I want to talk about Jurgen Klopp for a second here. Um, just want to touch on Thiago. We mentioned him last week, but the more and more I watched, and I watched a, a reasonable portion of this game. I'm just, I'm not convinced that he's a Liverpool player. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I know he's an incredible uh, ball player with the ball at his feet, but I feel like for this Liverpool side, he just doesn't fit in. He doesn't fit that, that action-packed style of football that Liverpool like to play.
1: Yeah, I think with um, the attacking fullbacks that Liverpool have got, they they like to go from A to B quite quickly, don't they? And I think Thiago kind of, from what I've seen, he, he tends to sort of slow up play because he likes to play sort of left to right passes instead of straightforward. I mean Henderson, you can sort of watch him and you see him pinging these balls. Although he does go left and right, he does ping the odd ball in behind for the likes of Salah and Mane. But I, I think Thiago prefers to play short and sweet passes
0: yeah and then there's another player Mane you know very much out of form as well um so yeah just wanted to touch on Jurgen Klopp just finally uh before we talk about Leicester um as you mentioned earlier I don't think there's any danger of him being sacked I think to, to sack Jurgen Klopp would be um so crazy and so disrespectful to the job that he has done at Liverpool over the last sort of four or five years um but the only the only situation that I can see happening is that potentially in the summer um depending on how Liverpool finish the season, of course, whether they sort of finish strong and manage to get in the Champions League or if they, if they do miss out and, and sort of finish the season on a similar whimper and similar vein that they are playing now. I just wonder if Klopp might turn around and say, do you know what, um, with obviously his mum, his mother unfortunately passed away fairly recently and I don't think he's been able to, to actually get back to Germany to, you know, to sort of pay his dues and pay his respects and, and probably not really grieved properly as a result. And you saw that coming through, actually, in the interview he gave after the Brighton game when he conceded the title, I think it was. Um, you, you know, he, he was almost in tears, and you could tell that, you know, things are getting to him a little bit. So I just wonder, you know, would he walk away, do you think? Do you think he might just say, do you know what, I need a, I need a season out, I need a break?
1: Well, he was asked um, today, I believe, or yesterday, um, whether he needed a break um, after everything that's happened, and he said the last thing he needs is a break. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a very much, he's, he strikes me as a workaholic. He strikes me as somebody that lives for his work. He puts a lot of energy and effort into it. Um, so yeah, for his sake, I hope that from a mental health point of view that he doesn't, uh, work himself into the, into the ground sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, we shall see. Right. Let's, let's talk about Leicester because it's very important to not forget the role they played in this game because, um, they were brilliant again. And obviously before the game, or in the run up to the game, the, Sad news that James Justin, who's had an absolutely incredible season, he's gonna miss the rest of the season with an ACL tear, um, which is a real shame because we mentioned last week just how good he's been and whether or not he, you know, he was in with half a shot of an England call.
1: Yeah, and he's another player that only really got a chance in the team because of another injury. I think whereas um Andre Pereira was injured um at the start of the season. So James Justin got called up And he's had a blinder of a season. He's been my fantasy team the entire season.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's 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 been so good. He's been one of their probably most consistent performers all season. Um but you know, everything that Leicester doing are doing right, Leicester are doing right now, they just they just refuse to go away and as things stand, you would kind of be a you'd certainly be a fool to bet against them for getting in the Champions League places. And I guess right now with the possible exception of Chelsea who are just showing signs of of improved form, um you would say that Leicester are probably the only ones at the moment looking likely to keep the city honest in this title race.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very uh, yo-yo season, isn't it? But it's looking like City are going to start running away. And I mean, even Leicester. Leicester have had a little bit of up and down um, sort of results and stuff. I think it's going to be very tight between second, third and fourth. But I think City will start to run away of it now.
0: I mean, I mean, if City were to win their game in hands, um, that would take them 10 points clear of both United and City, which is... By a very very long way the largest gap we've seen um across the entire board really i mean you know you look at the difference that we've had most of the season between sort of first and second and then second all the way down to like tenth it's always any of them sort of four or five points so city have very much hit the throttle and are, and are disappearing at the moment but yeah leicester you know they're they're there again and dd absolutely outstanding again for them I, I feel like he's very underrated at leicester
1: yeah, and I think he nearly he nearly moved, didn't he? he? nearly moved to a big team, but I think they priced him out of it. But he does go very much under the radar.
0: Yeah, when I, when, I, when I say underrated at Leicester, I mean underrated by other teams for the job that he does at Leicester.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he's... I think he, I could see him moving to a bigger club uh, sooner rather than later because he does do a job. He's, I mean, he's their Kante, isn't he? He's, In the Prem. Yeah, yeah. Thinking, oh, uh, well, I know United have been linked with him quite a bit. Um, and we do need a CDM because ours are jank. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but I mean, yeah, Leicester's uh, Leicester scouting department must be the best scouting department in the world because, with respect to Leicester, you know, they're, they're not what you would call a big club. You know, I'd use big and inverted uh, inverted commas there, but when you lose a player of Kante's quality. Um, to find a replacement as good as Indeedy, that's not easy. Um, and they appear to have done it. I mean, he's just as good in this Leicester side as Kante was. Leicester of the British Dortmund, I think. <laughs> they absolutely are. I mean, and it's not like this is a flash in the pan in terms of this as well. I mean, they've done it with Maguire when they replaced him with and um, uh, Chu. I know Soren Chu was already at the club, but, you know, they've moulded him into a really strong centre-back and they've now got Wesley Fafana in there as well. Uh, Danny Drinkwater, Riyad Mahrez, these are all players that have left for big money. Um, I, mean, I know Jamie Vardy is obviously still at the club, but they got him from the
1: non-league. And yeah. <laughs> How many goals has he scored for them?
0: It's, it's it's incredible and you know all these players have left for for big money big reputations and they found one way or the other whether it's from within their own ranks or bringing another player in um it, it's incredible i mean they bought mares for i think four hundred thousand, sold him for like 60 odd million or something stupid yeah. so it's it's absolutely crazy so uh, and, and then finally i guess kind of a wider football question here you know we often refer to the big six in the premier league um As do a lot of people in the football world, as being, you know, City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Spurs. Those are those are your traditional top top six teams. But if we were to make a big six right now, not just based on how well they're performing this season, but over the kind of the past few years, do you think Leicester actually now should be classed as a big six club? And if they are, who do you think drops out? Well, I mean, to be honest,
1: Leicester have won more trophy-wise than Tottenham have. This is true. So if anything, you know, you'd have to say Leicester are a bigger team than Tottenham. And I'm not saying let's take the piss, but it depends what you, you know, how you class it. I think you probably look at players and stuff like that. And but at the end of the day, Leicester have won a Premier League. And, you know, they're at the moment, I can't remember where they are recently, but they're what, second, third or fourth at the moment.
0: Um, uh, they are joint second with you at the moment.
1: Yeah, and Tottenham are in, I think, ninth at the moment. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I don't see... I, I literally can't think of a reason why they, I, could, I would say they're not you know, one of the big six at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, so just to just to clarify, so you've got City at the top with 53, United and Leicester with 46 in joint second. And then if you want to go back to Tottenham and Arsenal, so you've got Tottenham on 36 points in ninth place and Arsenal on 34 points in 10th place. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if we're going by this season, if we're going by previous seasons, I will talk previous seasons as well, because Leicester, since they've won the league, um, I mean, I think they, they had a bit of a rough start to the season after uh, they won the league when I think, um, uh, what's his face? Claudio Ranieri, I think got the sack, didn't he? Not too long into the, uh, into the season after they won the league. But since that point, they've always been there and thereabouts. I mean, they, they should have been in the Champions League last season. Or this season rather from where they finished last year because they they were there all season long and they had a really poor finish to the season. So yeah, I think I think I would agree I think you probably have to look at either Tottenham uh, and or Arsenal as saying are you are you good enough right now to be classed as a top 6 club in this league.
1: I think the only thing doing it for Arsenal is they have been winning the FA Cup. True, that's true.
0: Um but but, in terms- uh,
1: positioning i mean i can't remember the last time they qualified for the champions league
0: yeah that's very true i mean and to be honest the, the very fact that we're even having this conversation about leicester just is a massive compliment to everything that they're doing at that club and everything they're doing right not just the scouting but brendan rogers who's doing an amazing job as manager um and regardless of where you come down on this argument whether you think they should be in, a, in that top six category or not uh, no one can deny how just how amazing they're doing right now
1: I think the difference is the owner absolutely loves the club with a passion.
0: Mm, no, I agree. And, you know, obviously the tragedy that befell their owner uh, a couple of years ago um, could have easily have derailed things, but it looks like that the family, I think it's his son that's technically in charge now from, from, yeah. or from memory. And he, he seems to be sort of a, a chip off the old block really in terms of, you know, his feelings towards the club. So yeah, all positive at Leicester. So let's let's move on. Let's talk Crystal Palace against Burnley. Um, two teams that we've not covered in huge degrees on the show this season, uh, mainly because they're both boring most of the time, so we don't talk about them very much. Um, but this was an important win. You know, Burnley's you know, much improved form carries on. It was an impressive win against a, a struggling Crystal Palace side.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know which teams to talk about further. I mean good for Burnley um, because they obviously did struggle right at the start of the season they look like one of the teams that might go down um, whereas Palace started quite strongly they beat United first game of the season but recently they've just looked very out of sorts
0: yeah I mean so Burnley right now are the sixth best side in the league form wise um, scoring goals is still an issue they're still actually the lowest scoring side in the Premier League um, Buck the trend somewhat here by scoring three in one game Um Two of them were kind of. I mean, it's pretty tragic defending from Palace, if I'm being brutally honest, and that will not have pleased uh, Roy Hodgson. Two 0 down in the first ten minutes, but let's talk about the third goal from Burnley from Lowton. Um, what a goal that was! Yeah, uh,
1: not the first one he scored either. Oh, is he? Has he got previous on this? Has he? Yeah. So when he when he used to play for
0: Stoke, he volleyed from outside the area into the top corner. Ah, oh, okay. So we've got ourselves a. Uh, Bit of a sort of Danny Alves goal scoring right back, have we? Mm. So, but no, I mean the, the 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 one thing that really caught me, out, aside from the outstanding technique um, on the volley itself, but did you see uh, what he did to Van Aanholt during his run in into the area? Oh yeah, he just <laughs> absolutely shoved into the gym. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely battered him. I mean, I, I don't know whether to be really impressed by Lotan's strength or completely embarrassed by Van Aanholt's like weebleness. Just like, what, what are you doing? Like, you've put nothing in there. Either bring him down or track his run. Don't just kind of, like, sort of stand there and just allow yourself to be steamrolled like that.
1: Yeah, because I think you did well to stay up because he could have quite easily fallen over with the momentum of sort of running into him. But it, he literally battered him over like it was a, a <laughs> I don't know, a pillow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was. And it, as you say, a pillow is not a bad expression because he did not bounce off him as well. <laughs> but uh, no, a fantastic win for Bernie. And the only blemish on the win was uh, what looked at the time anyway, to be quite a serious injury to Ben Mee. Um, He was stretching off after receiving an accidental shoulders of the head from Jordan IU. But we did hear words that apparently during the game, when, when he got siled out, I think everyone just sort of assumed that it was a concussion substitute, but it turns out it wasn't. Apparently Ben Mee was, was fine. Um, Of course there is such a thing as delayed onset concussion, which, which is absolutely a thing and can happen. But obviously at the time they, he just took no precautions and just uh, just brought him off anyway. Um, so that sort of sounds like it's nothing serious and hopefully he'll be back in action soon for Burnley because he's, he's a big player for them, isn't he? Him and, him and Tarkovsky at centre-back is massive for Burnley. Yeah, they're...
1: Um, I mean, they've played together for quite a while now, haven't they? And they've formed quite a good partnership. I think you were saying about Burnley not having a great scoring record, but... I don't think really Burnley are known for scoring goals. They're known for keeping clean sheets and grabbing those one nil wins other than obviously this game.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, at the start of the season, the, the fact they weren't scoring goals, that was costing them because they were, they were still pretty tight at the back, but they were losing games like one nil, weren't they? Um yeah. So actually when you look at their defensive record, it's actually pretty impressive. I mean, there's only, I think they're about eighth, I'm going to say eighth best defensive record in the league. Um, and for a side that's, you know, in the 16th position, not only won seven games all season and lost 11. That's pretty impressive um, from from them. I mean, it's by a long, long way that they've got the best goal difference by a fairly considerable distance to anybody in the bottom half of the team. Um, and spare, spare a thought for West Brom, we've now conceded 55 goals in 24 games this season. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, no. And then just talking about Palace briefly, um, things are looking... I mean, the word I've used here is boring, and I said it at the start as well. Um, and I I know it's, that sounds quite bad, and unfortunately it kind of is, because for all the talent that they've got in their attacking lineup, and they do have quite a, an array of attacking talent, their over-reliance on Zaha is continuing to cause such huge problems for them, because they've now lost 18 of their last 20 games when Zaha hasn't played. And of those 18 losses, they've failed to score in 16 of those um, which, I mean, it's just an incredible stat, and I, I'm not a believer in one-man teams. I've always think that that's just kind of a media story that to say that one player carries a team to to the extent that some suggest. But when you see stats like this, it's pretty hard to ignore, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um... <laughs> I just really, I think they've got some players at the club, and you're just a bit. I mean, I don't really want to single players out, but one that comes to mind is sure Ben's. they're not listening. No, I know, but it's still. <laughs> One that comes to mind is Ben Teke. I feel like he's just having a bit of a free ride at Palace.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and I I I do look at the the rest of their team, and it's you know, it's, it's certainly in, in sort of central midfield and, and across the back line, and it's pretty uninspiring, isn't it? I mean, you've got, you know, such run of the mill. Uh, they are sort of like the Premier League Stoke now, aren't they? Now that Stoke aren't in the league, you know, when they used to have players like Phil Bardsley in their team, you know, yeah. like sort of rough and tough and ready Premier League players, but they're just going to do a job. They'll keep you in the league, but that's about it.
1: Um,
0: yeah, exactly. And and going back to Zaha, I mean, we've spoken at times about whether he stays or whether he goes, but do you think there's actually a case for saying that if he did go, it would actually be a good good idea for all parties? Because... Zaha gets a move to potentially a better club where maybe he can flourish a bit more Um, and Palace are then forced to stop relying on him and perhaps a few more players will step up to the plate
1: yeah I mean it depends how much money they can get I think they're going to struggle to get 80 million for him with the current climate
0: no I agree they're going to have to drop their demands I I don't know how long he's got left in his contract I think he signed an extension not that long ago Um, so I'm going to guess it's at least two or three years if not four um but yeah i absolutely agree i don't think um i i'm not even sure sahar's worth 80 million anyway even in even in a Uh normal market i think i think
1: from a team like pal i would say like 40 maybe 50 because he is a good player and i think he would get into um like an arsenal or something like that maybe everton i mean everton would be a good move for him i think
0: yeah. Yeah. I, um, I you know what I kind of, I can see him having a good role at West Ham right now under Moyes. I think he would, uh, he would compliment the side cause he does work quite hard. Um, and Moyes likes that. And he's obviously got that little bit of creative, creative spark that Moyes likes as well. So, um, I don't think for one minute that he would come to West Ham and I don't think West Ham would ever go in for him, but, yeah, I, I do think that a new club would be a good idea. So, um, But you'd mentioned Ben Take about one player who sort of falls short of expectations, of getting a bit of a free ride. Another player is Michi Batshuayi. Um, now, this guy a few years ago was one of the hottest properties in Europe. He rejected a bunch of clubs, including West Ham at the time, who I think have since been backing in for him numerous times to try and get him on loan, and he keeps telling us to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on current form, I'm quite happy that he did because it's just not working for him, isn't it? He's had several loan spells there. And I just I don't know what to make of it, really.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, you'd forget that he was there, to be honest. He had a good spell with them last time. I think it was a year ago or two years ago. Um, but uh, I think he's just one of those players when he's, when he's got confidence, he's a good goal scorer. But when he's out of confidence, he reminds me a bit of Martial, actually.
0: Yeah, you might as well not, not have him on the pitch because when his confidence is down, his work rate disappears as well. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder whether, do you think he needs a permanent club? you know, rather than being farmed out all the time, because I'm sure that can't be easy. You know, it's all very well saying that players go out and loan to gain experience. But if you're being loaned out every season, you have to constantly adapt to new systems, new routines, new clubs, teammates, new surroundings. And I guess not all players are going to thrive in those situations when there's just constant change in their career all the time. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't think he's going to be in the Chelsea team anytime soon. The problem is, he's not really proved himself out on loan for any club no. to, to gamble on buying him.
0: I, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't think another Premier League <coughs> club is going to take a gamble on him. Not unless he's, you know, a, a cut price deal. So I can see him going back to France potentially. So I think I'm trying to think where he came from. If it's someone like Marseille or someone like that. Um, that. I mean, uh, no, he went on loan to Dortmund, I think, but I, he was definitely, he definitely came in from a French side. Um, mm. If it was Marseille, I don't recommend going back there with the situation that, that clubs in at the moment with their clubs burning their training facilities or their fans, sorry, burning their training facilities. Um, so yeah. And then just finally, I um, want to just touch on Roy Hodgson. His contract is up in the summer. Um, I would say it's unlikely that he's going to get sacked before the end of the season unless things really go to shit and they get you know drawn into a relegation battle if the bottom sides start picking up some wins. Um, but I, do you think it's a given that he's, he's gonna, his time will be up and, and they won't renew his contract in the summer?
1: Yeah, I'd be very surprised if they did renew it. I mean... <laughs> he's a he's a manager. Like, I think I've said it before, but he's a manager that you know you're probably not going to get relegated. But it's you're not, not really do much more. Yeah, you're not. There's nothing to aspire to. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. a Bit unflattering.
0: Indeed. Um, and then just very quickly before we go to the break, I just wanted to touch on Everton against Fulham. Um, uh, huge result for Fulham, which no one really saw coming. Uh, and Josh Marjo with both thought- goals.
1: No, I put money on Everton to win.
0: He was like, easy money. Oh, so that's why Fulham fans, there you go. Now you know who to thank. Because <laughs> you have about as much luck with gambling on football games as I do. So. <laughs>
1: uh, I couldn't believe it. I haven't placed a bet in ages, and then I saw the odds were even for Everton to win. I thought, well, that's ridiculous. And now I know why. <laughs> they
0: obviously, knew, knew something was coming. But no, mm. I mean, and you know, Josh Murcher, very, very good performance from him. Uh, Reed in midfield was very good. and Adamola uh, also. Uh, very impressive for Fulham and somebody who's had a bit of a rough ride this season. You know, everyone will remember that ridiculous penalty against West Ham early in the season. Um, but since then, I mean, credit to him, he's, he's putting in a shift for Fulham and he's, you know, I don't think you can say that Fulham aren't at least fighting to try and stay up. No, I th- I've quite enjoyed seeing Fulham in certain games. I think they've
1: been in lucky in a lot of games. Um, they've conceded some late goals <laughs> in uh of Some of the games I've seen them play, and but I think it's crazy that they've. Um, I mean, you've written it there, but they've not. Cons- you know, that's their first win since November. Yeah, and it's,
2: it's crazy. First win ever
0: at uh, Everton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feels- I believe so. Yeah, yeah. First win since November, as you say, which actually was against Leicester of all teams when they beat them two-one at the uh, at the King Power. um which, which was equally as a surprising result then as this one against Everton was, I think so, but no, I, I don't want to dwell on this game. Everton, um, again, it's, I say it every week. I just can't get my head around where a little bit like West Ham, actually, that they have this sort of these periods of time where you think you look at them and think, actually you're in really bad form. And then when you look at it, they're still two games away from being in a champions league position and still right in the fight for, for that champions league position. So, I just can't. I literally cannot work them out. This, this they are the epitome of how crazy this season is for me. In in, in summed up in as their club and their form. Mm. I, yeah, I would say Everton were
1: the most on and off forms team in the league.
0: i oh, I don't know. Moved. I don't know about, uh, Leeds might do them on that. I, uh, but I kind of
1: expect it from Leeds.
0: True. And in fairness to Leeds, when they don't win, they still play well and they work really hard and they're still very pleasing on the eye. Whereas Everton have been utter shit (laughs) against Fulham and against Newcastle a few weeks ago. So, yeah, no, I think I, I, I retract my statement.
1: One question I would love to ask Leeds fans is, is it fun to watch Leeds play or is it frustrating? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well I've got uh, a couple of friends on my um, on my Facebook feed who are uh, Leeds fans of course we know Joe Roberts is a Leeds fan as well uh, but one guy like um, I didn't know what the score was against Arsenal the other night I only caught the tail end of the game and then saw the highlights and um, I thought it was one of those games that I thought you know what this is going to be a Leeds game this is not going to be a 1-0 this is going to be a big scoring game and then within 20 minutes I saw a post on there saying okay Leeds yeah let's just give them a 2-0 head start cool yeah okay
2: uh-huh.
0: so yeah and then obviously it
1: got worse from there so did you see Bielsa's reaction at the end like what he said about the
0: game yeah was it something along the lines of um the other manager obviously prepared better than me or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just such a weird thing to say but that that's that's him all over isn't it you know he believes in preparation so much that if he doesn't win he blames he utterly blames himself that he hasn't prepared properly yeah so right okay um let's go for a break when we come back we're going to do our listeners segment where we're going to talk about what our listeners have been uh, raising and then we'll have a bit more premier league chat before our usual games and team of the week stuff see you in a minute <laughs> right guys welcome back uh let's get straight into the listener segment let's talk about what our listeners have been saying so fred what have they been saying this week
2: all right let's let's go with pete first lovely pete um southampton are going down like a lead balloon six (laughs) league loss worst form in the league while their performances as a whole haven't been terrible i really expected more from a team of their caliber Liverpool just don't have any answers at the moment. Arguably, injuries have torn their hopes of retaining the title. And would we believe it? VAR not going in Liverpool's favour this season. With City's current form and class, could they win the Champions League this year?
0: Uh, I mean, on that last point, um, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it in a minute, but I am kind of surprised that Man City are not being talked about um, for anything other than the Premier League title right now.
1: Well, they've never got past the quarterfinals of the Champions League, have they?
0: So, do you think that's what it is? Everyone's just like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna bottle it again. It's fine. Let's just not talk about it because we know it's going to happen. I think it's similar to talking about Tottenham
1: winning a trophy. Like obviously they're known <laughs> being bottlers, so it's, you just sort of discount them. So I think it's similar <laughs> with City. They just seem to bottle the Champions League every year. Because I mean, even you know a couple of seasons ago when they were absolutely dominant, they just. They're just flat in the Champions League.
0: Yeah, no, it's um, it's it will be interesting to see if they can finally, um, you know, really put in a good run uh, of good run of form in the Champions League because I think you know they've got the quality for it. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah,
1: hundred percent.
2: Um, and then just Liverpool going down and southampton
0: not doing so well <laughs> <laughs> i was quite surprised actually when i read his comment because i saw when i saw southampton are going down like a lead balloon six consecutive league loss in a row i assumed he was going to be taking the piss but actually he's been quite uh he's been quite well rounded on this because he's actually saying that they've actually not been playing that bad aside you know take the United nine nil out of the equation uh, which no um no portsmouth fan is ever going to do <laughs> i'm sure um But yeah, he's right. I mean, they weren't that bad against Wolves. I think, I mean, whilst we've not covered it on tonight's show, I know that there was uh, an incredibly dodgy VAR decision in there, I think was revolving a handball, which really changed the game. And and sort of Wolves didn't really look like they were going to be in the game and they've ended up losing it. So (laughs) I would be surprised if, if this run carries on for a huge amount longer. But, you know, we said that about Liverpool a few games ago and it's still going on. So, you know, who knows?
2: Yeah. Um, And then Sam said, got to say United have been so inconsistent. When they are good, they're great. But when they are bad, they're terrible. Uh, Liverpool seem to have lost their way, which is surprising as they started so strong. And Man City have won the Prem again, shown by their clear, strong results against all teams they face. I mean, yeah, United have been hella inconsistent previously like they're getting better now but you're still like going down before you go up
1: aren't you yeah uh, not it's, ideal it's just frustrating
2: also not ideal to have to live with you when that's happening
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe we maybe that's our next vlog maybe we just do a, a life in the day of uh of somebody who has to live with a man united fan and we'll, we'll record you fran when there's a man united game going on and just record how stressful <laughs> your life is and
2: then man united Fan fan TV fan stand. What was it you <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It used to be Arsenal, but no, it's United.
1: Well, I only watch AF TV when Arsenal lose. Yeah, like like everybody does. <laughs> um. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? On what? Still United or the next bit? United. Uh, just, it'd just be nice to score the first goal for a change. <laughs> Continue to win. Yeah. I was <laughs> just, just fed up of going 1-0 down every bloody game.
0: It's quite incredible that that is still happening. It really is. And for the fact that it only took 70-odd seconds for it to happen in this game, uh, was quite impressive as well. Um, but yeah, no, Man, Man City, I mean, it looks like they're clearing off in the distance, as we said. And, um, and Liverpool, I don't think they seem to have lost their way. They absolutely have lost their way. I think that's uh, Sam as being a bit polite to Liverpool there
2: yeah i would agree um and then we had nick say <laughs> in not such colorful language as he's put it but uh var is essentially not doing southampton any favors um with consist uh continuous inconsistent terrible decisions uh can't blame ralph for getting angry with it to be fair would you agree?
1: um i mean i wouldn't I don't know about just Southampton. I can't say I've paid that much attention to see it's just Southampton, but I would say VAR in general.
2: He said, I um, oh no, actually, Chris replied saying, every team I think has gone through similar patches with VAR. It baffles me to think that the decision makers are actually looking at this and think that this is okay, given the uproar it's causing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, I mean, we carried on that conversation after that. And I actually said later on that I, th- I feel like... Um, there's this um, dismissive nature of football fans. And by that, I mean that when VAR is happening and things are going wrong, you know, if I think back to the, uh, I'm trying to think of a good, it's like the Bamford one. Do you remember the Bamford one against Crystal Palace during in the season where um, he ran through, his entire body was onside, but because he pointed in front of him where, where he, to his teammates, so where he wanted the ball played, part of his arm was offside and he got given as offside. And obviously, everybody was just sort of like either in disbelief, on the floor laughing or crying. If you were a Leeds fan at that decision, but if you're not a Leeds fan, you're looking at anything, yeah, that's shit. But then, in an hour's time, you've kind of forgotten about it, <clears throat> and it's not until something like that happens to your team that suddenly it becomes a massive, massive deal. And I feel like until there is this really collective um approach from football fans from from clubs from uh, managers everyone kind of involved is until there's enough pressure applied onto var and the rule makers and a bit of collective thinking about how they can improve i don't i honestly i don't see it improving because i don't have enough i don't have any faith in these decision makers that they're going to uh, improve the situation
2: yeah um and then we had a few other comments, but just so everyone knows, Joe Morton is holding his breath until Chelsea have played.
0: Well, so. I mean, stop press. Timo Werner has scored a goal.
2: Stop it.
0: They are currently 2-0 up against Newcastle. already got the first, and Timo Werner
2: Timo. Uh, has got the goal. Timo. Um, but yeah, even the guinea pigs celebrating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> even the guinea pigs are like, what? Shut up.
2: Can you hear that?
0: Yeah, I could hear it. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, apparently, I'm just reading the uh, the commentary and apparently it was quite a scrappy goal. So it was exactly the sort of goal by the reading of it that you would expect somebody who hasn't scored for so long to score.
2: Strong, good. Well, oh yeah, and literally on, B- on BBC Sports, says Verna scuffs in first league goal.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. Um, And that brings a close to the comments, but thank you so much for all your comments. There was loads this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, usually we would just go through and read them all, but we genuinely don't have time to do that tonight because of how uh, how crazy it went. So yeah, thanks everyone for, uh, for commenting. So uh, let's just touch on a couple of quick games. Um, We will talk unfortunately about West Brom against Manchester United, Dan, I'm sure you're uh, not going to thank me for this one, Um, but I would say you did get away with not having to talk about Man United Sheffield United a few weeks ago, because not only did it fall in a midweek game, so we missed it anyway, but then the following Monday when we were going to touch on it with the recording failed. So you did get away with it massively then. So (laughs) I'm not, I'm not having it a second time. So Dan, (laughs) off you go. I'll take the lead off you. I'm going to let you run off and go mad. So tell us what you thought about this game.
1: Uh, well, I think United dominated it from start. I know obviously West Brom scored straight away, but I think United dominated the game, but they just didn't produce anything. West Brom had the clearest chances and they could have scored three or four goals. Um, I think if it hadn't been for De Gea, we could have lost that three or four one. But it's just, if I were to say to any Premier League manager, just mark Bruno Fernandes out of the game and United don't do anything. <laughs> There's no creativity other than bruno
0: yeah it's i mean it was a as you say united had huge amounts of the ball but didn't really do a huge amount with it and it just it was a it was a display that really lacked any kind of quality aside from that one moment from bruno fernandez with a wonderful volley and you know how many more times is this man going to bow you out i mean if he gets injured you guys are severely screwed i know especially I mean Pogba's
1: gone now so there's the only creativity we had other than Bruno is now gone I mean he played I don't know why he played Martial over Greenwood Greenwood started to pick up some form has been playing quite well and he starts the out of form Martial and then subs him off in the 65th minute and you know Martial's playing bad when Ollie makes a sub before the 85th minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about as bad an indictment on your performance as you need, is that you've been substituted 20 minutes earlier than your manager would usually do it. Um, but also, I find it, I mean, I don't know um, whether it was for the entire game, but it seemed to me that uh, he also pushed Rashford out onto the right, which was a strange decision. Yeah, it
1: really annoys, because obviously when now Cavani's playing, and I do think Cavani should be starting as a striker, he tries to put Martial in the team but Martial can't really play anywhere other than left wing, which then forces Rashford out onto the right wing and Rashford's so much better on the left. And yeah. it, it sort of makes Rashford a bit null and void because it, you can see he he's quite awkward on the right. Like he, he went through, he was offside, but he went through on goal and he just hesitated because you could tell he wanted to bring it in and sort of curl it. But then he obviously realised he wasn't confident enough to do it on his left foot. So then he tries to push it back out to his right foot again. And then he just ends up getting tackled because he's taken too long. Whereas if he'd been on the left, it would have been a split second decision. he would have pushed it onto his right foot and probably would have curled it in, or at least yeah. just, you know, shot on target. But
0: yeah, it's, it's it was interesting. I was quite surprised to see. Um, you know, I know that uh, you had the game midweek against uh, against West Ham, but that was on Tuesday, um, and it. I don't know whether or not, and I know it went to extra time. So it might have been a few tired legs, I suppose, but I. I just don't see what Martial brings to your team. I've said this for a little while now, and I do genuinely believe that if Manchester United again have any form of rebuild, I think he is one of the players that is probably going to have to go out the door.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if we sold him in the summer, to be honest. Um, Especially, I think it all depends on what happens with Cavani. Because if we sign Cavani, I think his contract runs out at the end of the season. So if we give him an extension, I'd be surprised if Martial was happy being a bit part player Um, and I'd be more than happy. Don't get me wrong. I've got nothing against him. I just find him very lazy and you just, I just watch him play and he's very frustrating to watch because he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. Mm. He'll miss a shot and he'll just sulk and he doesn't chase the ball. Like all the other players do like on the press, you've got Bruno runs his head off. I don't know how he has so much energy. He's literally everywhere. Rashford does a good press. And even Cavani, he's like nearly 40. <laughs> he's still sprinting <laughs> around. And then the last hour just seems to walk everywhere.
0: Yeah, I know what you before. mean. Yeah, let's, um, let's move on and talk about the uh, the big talking points in the second half of the game. I think it was quite near the end, actually. The, the Maguire incident, which, of course, uh, ended up as a, uh, a non-penalty being overruled as a, as a not a penalty. Um I mean what was, what's your thoughts on the incident? I think the the general feeling is that for some strange reason they overlooked the fact that he was offside um which is the first thing. But it it's it's brought to to the front a debate again about the ease with which players go to ground and and Maguire is certainly not alone in this but I think maybe it's come up because of you know Maguire is a bit of a man mountain um and he has gone down very, very easily. Yes, there's a small amount of pulling and a little bit of maybe uh, clipping the heel sort of thing. But do do, do we do, do, does football need to do more to eradicate these kind of soft penalties? And I think back to the Salah one against uh, Man City last week where he got a little sh- a little shove on the, a uh, little pullback on the shoulder and he's thrown his arms up in the air, thrown himself to the ground. Do we need to do more to stamp out this sort of thing or do we just need to accept it as part of football and get over it? Uh, I don't know. I
1: mean, maybe being biased, but I thought it was a penalty to be honest. And I spoke to Joe Morton today, and he, he even said to me that he thought it was a penalty. But for me, it's not the the sh- the hand on the shoulder or anything like that. I don't th- you know. I don't think it's anything to do that. I think he sort of runs behind him and he trips him. I don't really see McGuire being a diver. Um, but at the same time, I think they got it completely wrong because either way, I think Maguire was offside. Yeah. But they, they somehow gave, they didn't even look at the offside and then they gave it as not a penalty for the incident. So I feel like they got it wrong both ways.
0: Yeah, I think they got they got the right end result in terms yeah, of yeah, that it was uh, going the other way and no penalty. But yeah, the, the way in which they got there does seem to be very, very strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I knew, when I looked at it, I mean, I know it looked like there was a little bit of a clip of the ankles. and I suppose it's one of those ones that if that happens on the halfway line, it's a foul all day long. So why should it be any different in the penalty box? Um, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe the issue I have is the way in which they throw themselves to the ground. Maybe that's maybe that's why I get so upset with it. Um, but uh, anywho, it obviously wasn't given. Um, and a draw is is a result for United that really doesn't do them any good in the same way it does nothing for, for West Brom either. Um, I mean, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said after the game, I think that he's, he doesn't want to let City get away. I mean, I suggest they're already getting away, he's not going to be able to stop that anyway but it's interesting that he said that after the week before saying that they're not title contenders well,
1: I was going to say what I didn't understand was he literally just said before that we're not title contenders and then now I see him saying oh we're not going to let City get away we're going to keep fighting I'm like well that's not what you were saying a week ago <laughs> yeah, that it's, was when it... we were winning games and now we're drawing with West Brom suddenly we're still in the title hunt I don't really understand <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an odd one I mean form wise you know in your last five games the only win that you've had is that 9-0 against Southampton uh, and in that time you've obviously lost to Sheffield United you've dropped points against West Brom um, you know it's, it's been a a bit of a rough patch of form um, it's not been as bad as say you know teams like Liverpool where they've actually been losing games because you've drawn most of the games that you've dropped points in but either way um, United are going to need to pick up but moving on to West Brom now as we said, a draw is not very good for them. Um, but there were some positives, and in, in, in particular, the performance of Diane. Is it Diane? Diang? Diang? Yeah, I don't know how I you pronounce it. I think it's
1: Deanne, That's what I would have gone with as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he looked really lively. I mean, the way in which he bullied Lindelof for that first goal.
1: Yeah, I mean, not just Lindelof either. He could have scored... I mean, if it, like I said, if it went for the Gea, we could have lost three or four one because he, he bullied McGuire as well and almost threw him to the floor um the sh- I mean De Gea done well to save it but yeah both both chances he's he looks like it could be a, a good signing for West Brom yeah
0: he looks a real handful and he looks very much like a Sam Allardyce signing to me mm. um but yeah I mean on that first one he had absolutely no right to get to that ball before Lindelof and he just just decided you know what I am getting there before Lindelof and no matter what Lindelof does I'm still going to get there first and he it was it was a wonderful header and as you say he probably should have won them the game um For West Brom, they've got Burnley next, who are, of course, in good form themselves, um, as we mentioned earlier. And they've had a few must-win games recently because I think they have played... They've played Fulham. I think they've played Sheffield United recently as well. And I think they've either lost both and they've certainly not won any of those games. Um, And up next, after Burnley, they've then got Brighton, Newcastle and Crystal Palace as their next... So they've got Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle Palace as their next four. Is it fair to say that we'll kind of know after those four games whether they're staying up or going down?
1: Yeah, I think so because I mean we're we're getting well we're past the halfway stage now and we will be within sort of ten or get ten games or so. So I think if the, if they struggle to beat any of those teams or most of those teams, I think that's probably sealed their fate.
0: Yeah, I mean I look at the table now. They're currently uh, on the assumption Newcastle don't win tonight, they will be twelve points from safety. Um, I would say from those four games, they need at least I think they need to win three of those minimum.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And they need to make sure one of them is Newcastle. Um, I think they could probably get away with losing to uh to Brighton just because they're the highest up, or maybe even Palace. Um, but I think they have to beat Newcastle. I think that's 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 one of the three teams I think they need to win.
1: Yeah, especially with the way Newcastle um they've been quite poor recently, haven't they? So I think that's I mean Brighton's probably the toughest game out of the lot.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, Brighton, Brighton and Rich Van form, they've not lost. Uh, I mean, in the last six, they've not lost in the last six. I don't know if that that form uh, extends beyond that. Uh, they've won three and drawn three of their last six. They're doing very, very well. Uh, but from Newcastle's point of view, just touching on them for a second, obviously Fulham's win last time out was massively unexpected against Everton. But that all of a sudden, you know, that's seven points between Fulham and Newcastle. So if fulham were to win their game in hand and i, I can't remember who their game in hand is against I, it might be against man city and if that's the case then it's still gonna be seven points um <laughs> but <laughs> um but even so you know one win and that's four points all of a sudden newcastle that's looking pretty dangerous all of a sudden
1: yeah um and then the pressure will start to be on newcastle uh, because it's, it's you know it's easy when you look below you and you're 10 points ahead or etc but as soon as that gap starts closing then the pressure really palms on
0: yeah and obviously newcastle are going to be without callum wilson for the next two months as well so that you know one of their their biggest goal threat by some some distance um is not going to be in the side for the next two months so yeah it, this this could be real squeaky bum time for newcastle Mm. so right let's move on then. last game we're going to talk about we'll finish with what was probably the the highlight game of the weekend outside of the Leicester Liverpool game um was the Man City Spurs game and I mean I've left it till last because it's just kind of as you know carry on as normal sort of thing for City I mean they were just so dominant again weren't they Yeah,
2: they were. They're very good, aren't they? From where they were at the start of the season to where they are now. They're smashing it again. pretty
1: unstoppable at the moment.
2: They're that team that you want to watch again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. They've got back to that kind of um, Pep Guardiola, not ticky-tack is the wrong word, but that sort of direct attacking style that are easy on the eye and just sort of relentless football. Um, And... Gundawan is sort of at the epitome of that at the moment and he's, he's had that rich vein of form and it's showing no signs of slowing down here um, he's got another two goals in this game I mean what a season this guy is having yeah how long um, has
2: he been there now?
0: Gundogan, uh I'm going to say this is second season oh really? Uh, I would have said longer
1: I would say third season
0: okay let's go let's go and have a cheeky look shall we?
2: where did you come from?
0: uh German. was it dortmund uh it was dortmund uh oh you're absolutely right he's been there a lot longer than i thought he's been there since 2016 oh yeah wow and he's made this 120 is. appearances for uh for man city nice so yeah no that's um you know he's suddenly found himself i mean he was always not necessarily second fiddle but he was never first choice in a lot of those five years that he's been with the club
1: just because yeah. of some
0: of the names in the team. You know, when De Bruyne is fit, obviously he walks into the team. They they would have had a prime a Fernandinho at the time. Um, Yaya Toure might have still been around at that point, maybe just towards the end of his Man City career then. So, yeah. He's, he, but he's, he's,
1: he's scored more goals than any other player since the turn of the year.
0: Yeah, he's he's been absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, uh, Davison Sanchez, I think, has only just retrieved his ankles after being turned inside out by yeah. Gundogan for, for that. <laughs> Uh, did you see the way he tried to like header it as he was falling down yeah he went full John Terry didn't he like just yeah. so he realised he wasn't going to be able to get his foot in the way so he thought fuck it I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice my face and try and get it in the way but he like tucked his arm he went like pencil <laughs> yes like a salmon leaping out of the water yeah um but yeah I mean and, and on the on the, uh, topic of uh, De Bruyne I mean, this is let's not forget this is still a City side without Aguero and he's barely played this season uh De Bruyne is still out injured and you know for them for most for the most part you would say that they are their two best players uh, or certainly two of the most important players to City but now that they've learned to win without him as we've said before I mean they just look imperious don't they I mean I can't see anybody beating them at the moment no, I really, I really can't see anybody
1: beating them. Um, it will be interesting to see how they do in Europe.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It'd be, it, whether that sort of provides an unnecessary distraction, if that's the right way to put it, you know, because they're playing so well in the Premier League right now. Um, you know, if they do get a, a slightly off result in the Champions League, which, as we as we've mentioned, is is very much within the remit of Man City, because they've not been beyond the quarterfinals in the Champions League before. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it uh, Mucci and Gladbach? They're playing in the Champions League, I think. So on paper, you would expect them to win that game. But if they do come up against, uh, or end up on the bad end of a result, um, it could, would it derail things? I don't know. I don't, it, it depends what it kind of result derail, it is.
1: I feel like Guardiola. It'll be like his uh, sort. I don't know what the word for it, but I feel like that's what he'll be really longing for to win a Champions League with City. I mean, he's obviously done the Premier League and he's done all the other cups, but I think. It's like, a, I don't know what to say, but I think that's what it's he'll the be. Last,
2: it's the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah,
0: it? yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's the one thing that's eluded him as uh, as Man City manager. And I'm, as a guy like Guardiola as driven as he is, I'm sure he'll be desperate to, uh, to I put wouldn't. Man City.
1: I don't want City to win the Champions
0: League. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, right, okay. Uh, let's talk uh, briefly about Spurs before we move on. Um, now, i mean it was a pretty it was a poor performance realistically uh harry kane from memory was the only one who really come close with that free kick that hit the woodwork um and as we said city are kind of in that vein of form where they're good enough to beat anyone and everyone but the way in which they dismantled spurs i mean is that should there be concern around spurs and jose at the moment or or is this kind of a shruggy shoulders moment and and say, you know, this is just a great city side, let's move on. But, you know, even if they did do that, their form as a whole is not very good at the moment.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's not really just a, a one-off game shrug your shoulders because they're in like ninth place. And we're and they've lost four of this. their last six as well. Yeah.
2: yeah, but I mean, ninth place, all they've got to do is win. Oh, like, I know, it's,
1: it's games, close but margins, yeah. but I mean, the way the season's going, they could end up falling further behind at this rate.
2: Yeah, they I mean... <laughs> there, didn't they?
1: Yeah, well,
0: that's usually when Harry Kane's injured there. I mean, they're 10 points behind Leicester, who are in third place. Mm. Um, I mean, the gap... So the top three are actually kind of almost breaking away now, um, depending on what Everton do and what Aston Villa do with their two games in hand. Um, Assuming they don't overtake uh, West Ham and soon-to-be Chelsea, if the result stays the same, who are in fourth and fifth... um, yeah, that they're potentially, you know, if Spurs don't sort their format, they risk a gap being created to that top four. Um, and I feel like Jose will will have been given the objective to get Champions League. I'm not sure Europa League is will be an acceptable return for Jose this year. No, no but so.
2: I don't think he'd want that either.
0: No. Um,
1: do you think maybe it's a bit of a harsh question, but do you think? Mourinho's fading a bit as a manager
0: Whoa. I mean it, just
1: they, like three losses no thinking. no
0: not I mean over the last like well last I don't know six years I mean here's here's the thing about Mourinho like he's he's had this question thrown at him on multiple occasions when he was at uh, United it was it was posed It's it's been posed once or twice since he's been at Spurs um, but he always like earlier on in the season we were waxing lyrical about Spurs weren't we when Kane and Son were firing for him um, Spurs were top of the league at one point in November or December, and everyone was saying, "Oh, you know, Jose found the magic formula; everything's going fine." And now all of a sudden, they're not doing as well again, and now the questions start to creep back in. So it's it's a it's a delicate balancing act here as to where you come down on this because it's very easy to criticise and say that he doesn't change his style. He is very defensive. He has realistically one tactic, and that's to rely on the on a counter attack. Uh, with his quality players that he has. Um, and on the other side of it is that you could say, well, this is a guy that's won more trophies as manager than basically every other manager going, with the exception of maybe Guardiola. I'm not sure what the comparison is there.
1: Well, I read, so I read, I read the Spurs sort of chat forums and stuff, and all I ever see is criticism on how they play. All of all these Spurs fans I see are just saying, it's so boring, I'm so bored of watching Spurs, this, that, and the other. And I'm like... You know, is it worth having all oh right, he does win trophies. And if he wins Spurs a trophy, you know, I'm sure they'll forget all about the boring football, but is is it worth the sacrifice of having dead boring football to win a trophy?
0: I mean, I've heard that said before as well. I mean, maybe Fran can maybe answer that. You know, do you do you enjoy watching Spurs play at the moment?
2: I haven't watched any of them, do you want to be
0: honest. <laughs> well, that kind of says it all, then, really, doesn't it?
2: I never really did, though. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't say there was ever like a big Spurs game that I was like, "Oh yeah, watch it." So I'm, I'm, honestly, not your best person to comment on it. But maybe I just don't really like watch them because I always think they'll lose anyway.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> Here's here's the thing though with like so, I mean I was actually going to talk about Harry Kane I guess this kind of links into the same thing because there's been some talk about what Harry Kane might do for his career because there's still this question about what is his what's his driver in his career Does he want to be a club legend and and score like the most goals in the Premier League for Spurs etc cetera, etc cetera, or does he want to go to a club that has a much more realistic chance of winning big trophies. Um, and Kane, realistically, a, a firing fit Harry Kane walks into almost any other side in Europe um, with with his goals uh, to games ratio. Um,
1: yeah, he could easily play for Real Madrid, Barcelona.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, definitely Real Madrid. I'm not sure about Barcelona just because the style of football they play. Maybe I'm doing Kane a disservice, but um, well, yeah, I Suarez, I think he's a
1: similar sort of striker to yeah, Harry true. Kane.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, so I'm just wondering if Tottenham beat, Spur- uh, beat uh, Man City in the Carabao Cup. Now, as you said, it's a trophy. They've not won a trophy for a very, very long time. Is that enough? I suppose this is a two-part question. Is that enough to convince Spurs fans that Jose's time has been a success and they're happy with him as manager? And would it be enough alone to convince someone like Harry Kane that Spurs is the place to be to win trophies in the future?
1: I really, I really couldn't answer to it. I think we would honestly have to ask like a, a proper Spurs fan um, <laughs> that question because...
0: <laughs> a little dig a friend be-
1: there. <laughs> well, I mean, what about West Ham? If, what would you be like? What well, if, you know, if I said to you, you could win the Carabao Cup, but the football is... I mean, I'm not saying it's absolute shy, but you'll be bored most weeks in and out. Or we can play really exciting football like Liverpool, um, you know, City, et cetera, but you won't win a trophy for another couple of years because it's a building process. What would you prefer?
0: If I'm being brutally honest, I prefer to be... Trophies doesn't... uh, Trophies would be an amazing thing for a club like West Ham, but Spurs have got this... Um, because they've been a bigger club and they've been at near nearer the top of the league for a lot longer than West Ham have, there is this pressure, this added pressure of winning trophies. And because they've been to cup finals and lost, it's even worse. With West Ham, there is a narrative around the club that we haven't won a trophy for so long. But at the same time, it's I don't think it's, it's, it's as a big deal to a club like West Ham as it is to a club like Spurs in current form. Now, if West Ham continue on their current form over the next few years, then that conversation changes. Um, because ultimately trophies are seen by a lot of people as a measure by which you can or you can measure success. It's not about if you, like Arsenal back in the day, you know, they would say that Wenger would get you in the top four regardless. Um, that used to be the measure of success to them. It wasn't the winning of the trophies all the time. That was that was always the comeback. We haven't won a trophy for four years. Yeah, but we're always in the Champions League. That was the comeback. Um So I feel like for West Ham right now, I genuinely would prefer to play more exciting football and be more fun to watch because I just don't expect West Ham to win trophies. But if we are a team like Spurs, who are always up near the top, then I think that conversation probably changes. But I don't know, being a bit of a a purist, football purist, if you like, I don't know whether I'd want to trade a Carabao Cup win for a boring season or a boring manager and a boring team to watch. I don't know if I'd want to make that trade. I'd
1: rather be entertained week in, week out, than entertained for one game of a season.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not sure it's worth the, the boredom. Because you know, at the moment, obviously in lockdown, football for a lot of people, including me, is something to look forward to, especially when your team is playing well. May not be the case for, for Sheffield United and West Brom fans, for example, but you know, for, I'm in the lucky position. That I support a team that's doing well. And I do look forward to it. And like tonight, we played quite well against Sheffield tonight. We weren't weren't brilliant, but we were good enough and played some good stuff and and won the game. So I don't think I'd ever be interested in looking forward to a game. I mean, if I think back to the times under Sam Allardyce, for example, um, there were times where it was actually very, very, very good. We had like half a season or three quarters of a season where we were very good. And then he reverted back to type, a little bit like Mourinho has done at times. And yeah, I got, I got very bored as did a lot of West Ham fans. And uh, I think, I don't know too many. I think if a fan turns around and says, I'm all about trophies, I'll take boring football if it means winning trophies. I'm not sure any proper football fan should think like that. In my opinion. I think if they say
1: that, then they obviously don't watch games.
0: Yeah. Football is is an, it's a form of entertainment. If you're not being entertained, then why watch it? Hmm. Um, so anyway, we've um, we've uh, we've we've gone on probably a bit too longer than I wanted to because this podcast is probably going to drag on for a bit longer than uh, it usually does. So let's get into our team of the week. So I don't know who went first last time, but Dan, why don't you do the honours?
1: Um, yeah. So I've gone for I've, <laughs> I could, to be honest, the, the games this far I could have gone for three or four different goalkeepers. It's hard to narrow it down to one. Um, but I've gone for Martinez for about the 10th time this season. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a signing he was by Villa. He's, he's just, been incredible, is not he? He's been magic for them. And it, he single-handedly um, kept them in that game because they weren't at their best. Um, but Brighton were all over Villa. But Martinez just was a one-man show in that game. Um, I've gone for Cancelo because he's having a really good season. He's obviously started quite slowly for City. Uh, trying to fight for a place against Carl Walker, but he, I think he's managed to swim in a, a um, position while Carl Walker has been injured. Um, I've got, I don't know how he pronounce it. Is it Aina? Aina? Aina, um, I think. I could be wrong. Yeah, back for Fulham. Uh, I think, you know, one thing, keeping a clean sheet, but to keep a clean sheet against Everton at home as well. Um, very good. I've gone for two Burnley players uh, to finish my defence. I've gone for Tarkowski who obviously we talked about earlier is having a good season. And I went for Lowton after one for keeping that clean sheet and two for that volley. <laughs> and three um, for
0: battering Van Arnhelt.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, three for that. <laughs> My midfield, um, Gunduan for what feels like about the fifth or sixth time in a row. Um, I've gone for Ruben Neves for Wolves, who got quite a good win against Southampton after going one goal down. And i am going for Smith Rowe, who's having a very good season. It's good to see the youngsters um, playing well for Arsenal at the moment. And then my front three is, and um, I've a couple more players that are hard to pronounce. Is it Maja? Marja? Maja. We'll go with Marja. Uh Yeah, I've picked, obviously, two goals on his debut. Um, it's not a bad way to start. And my... I've gone for Aubameyang, obviously, hat-trick. He's been very quiet this season, Aubameyang.
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, firing a hat-trick this, you know, he's, he's barely scored a goal all season and all of a sudden uh, he bangs a hat-trick in yesterday. So, um, for Arsenal fans' point of view, that's, that'll be a very welcome sight and they'll be hoping that he can carry that sort of form on.
1: Hmm. And finally, I've gone for Dihan uh, from West Brom, just from the way he absolutely bullied United's defenders um, and that goal... He took was very well taken. And like I said, he could have easily won that match for West Brom. So yeah, so that's my team is week.
0: Nice. Uh, so my team of the week, I've gone for Martinez in goal. Um, similar to you, I think I've picked him on several occasions this year, but <laughs> main reason this game was because he was basically a one man defense at times against Brighton in that nil nil draw. Um, I mean, I-, I lost count of how many saves that he made. I think it was like 10 saves. I think he made in the game with several of them being uh, extremely difficult. an extremely impressive save so that was a for me that was a fairly straightforward decision uh in defense I've gone for Lowton at right back for the same reasons that you mentioned um and I've gone for uh Ben Mee as a center back so again for the sort of same reasons as Tarkovsky really I could have picked either one of those two and then defenders the other two defenders John Stones from Man City who's just continues to be he uh, just looks like a different man. He looks like a complete, completely different player at the moment um, and all credit to him. And it bodes really well for England uh, in this season's Euro. So keep our fingers when and truly crossed and touch everything made of wood that he doesn't get injured and he carries on this form into into the summer. And then at left back, I've got for Zinchenko and City. Um, a, a player that doesn't get huge amounts of praise, uh, but I thought he was very, very good against Spurs. So uh, I've picked him this week. And then in a team that is, in fairness, dominated by Man City players, I've got four of them in. Gundogan to one in midfield, unsurprisingly. Um, and I've also got Rodri in midfield, another player who hasn't always been at his best uh, at Man City this season. But again, I feel like over the last few games, he's just starting to really show his quality for Man City. Um, and he's becoming a bit of a Fernandinho in that he's going under the radar while doing it. So, um, yeah. Was no. It was a shit penalty. And Lloris really should have saved it. <laughs> I really—I don't know about you, but did you really want Edison to take it? I actually thought he was going up there to take it. <laughs> I think he was because I, th- I can't remember who it was, but somebody had to have a word of him to go back in goal.
1: No, apparently, um, well, the commentator said that he was telling uh, whoever it was to tell Rodri where to put
0: it. Oh, uh, right, okay. Um, but I mean, Edison is—I mean, as he showed with his long ball through for one of Gunduan's goals, he has got hell of a right foot on him or a left foot, whichever footed he is. Um, and I can just see Edison just stepping up and just like smashing one in the top corner or taking a Penenka. I reckon I reckon he'd be amazing. <laughs> um, if Man City have already won the league and they get a penalty last game of the season, if they don't let Edison take a penalty, I'll be really upset.
1: That's uh cool. <laughs> I was really <right> there. <laughs> uh,
0: other midfielder, so I went with uh, Harrison Reed at Fulham. I uh, had a very, very good game at the weekend. He uh, hasn't scored, I don't think, in the Premier League before and got very close on one or two occasions in this game. And then front three, like you, have gone for Marja and Aubameyang. Um, But instead of... D, uh, so I would have picked Diane or Diagni, however you pronounce it. But I just felt like, despite his his all-round play and that first goal, I felt like he should have won that game. And if he'd have got that goal, he would have 100% been in there. But I felt like he should have scored at least one of those two last chances. Um, and for that reason, I stuck um, uh, Bakari Saka in there. And I feel like, again, a bit like what you said about the young players at Arsenal, he's been a shining light in what's been a very up-and-down season for Arsenal, along with Smith-Rowe, and he had another f- fantastic performance for Arsenal this weekend. Right, uh, right, time for the, uh, time for the stat. Down the stack, man!
1: So Aubameyang was the third player in Premier League history to score a hat-trick on Valentine's Day, but who are the other two? One was against Liverpool in nineteen ninety-four, and the other was against Sheffield's Wednesday in nineteen ninety-eight. I know. And they both
0: played in red. Uh, I will guess Andy Cole. And I'm gonna say it's no, given that you've not said anything. Um, <laughs> and 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 Ian Wright,
1: no. So I'll give you. I wanted you to guess before I gave you the teams because one of the teams will give it away. Um, but one of the teams was Liverpool against Sheffield Wednesday in 1998. Uh, Michael Owen. Yep. And the other one was Southampton against Liverpool in
0: 1994. 94. Oh, uh Matt Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, well done to anyone who got that before I gave them the teams.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so on to um football with France season two. Now, this week there's no there's not gonna be a um an intro this week, so I am gonna work on a new improved uh jingle for next week um so tonight we're just going to sort of demo and show off what the quiz is going to be all about so bear with us if it's a bit if, it, if it's a bit uh, rough around the edges and then as of next week we'll be properly live with it and we will uh, have our guests on the show uh for, for a new segment a new feel to the show as we go forward uh where we'll be playing games against our guests so to explain the rules Fran has got five footballers uh on on her pad and she has a list of how many clubs that they have played for me and Dan are going to bid one at a time onto how many clubs uh, that that player has played for. So as an example, um, Fran might say to us that the player's name is Harry Maguire and he has played for, I don't know, four or five clubs, whatever it is. Dan will get the opportunity first to say, right, I can name three of them it will then come to me i will get the opportunity to say no i can't name any more than that dan name your three or i can bid higher and we'll keep going until somebody concedes or somebody decides that they think they can name all of them at that point they must name one by one um, each club that that player has played for frame will tell us if we're correct or not and if you get them all right you uh get the point if you get one wrong then the point goes to the other person and the only stipulation is, is that they must have played at least one game for their club. Um, and if they've played for the same club twice, it only counts as one club. And breathe. Right.
2: <laughs> okay. So. I'm saying the the name of the first player, player and how many teams they've played for, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So first off is actually David Seaman.
0: Mm. David Seaman, huh? Who's gonna uh, who's uh, gonna do the bidding first?
2: He uh Chris, you can go. So Thank God. <laughs> he's played for five teams.
0: Wow. Five, five teams. Um I'm gonna guess. I mean we've both got one, let's be honest. Um did he play for them? I'm gonna say two, but the second one is is a stretch. <laughs> Chris,
2: no uh, uh, dancing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can only think of two, so I'm gonna let Chris guess his two. I think um,
0: you're not going you're not- If you know two, you're not gonna take a stab at a third. No, I don't know two, and my two
1: would be a complete guess. Oh right, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, the obvious one, in which case then is uh, is Arsenal. Yeah. Now my guess. <laughs> Um I I don't know why but I've got it in my head that I think he played for Middlesbrough.
2: So what do I do now? Am I saying yes or no? Well,
1: yeah, yeah so he's- he's- you now.
2: Yeah, so yeah, Arsenal
0: not Middlesbrough. Uh,
1: so you didn't play did. for Middlesbrough. No. So I win that point.
0: So you win the point then. So yeah. and then Brian if you'd like to just read out the clubs that he uh, he did play no, for. He-
2: Played for Peterborough United, Birmingham City, Queen Park Rangers, Arsenal, and then Manchester City.
0: Did he really? Oh. Oh. Man City? Like that. I completely forgot about that.
2: 2003-2004.
1: I cannot imagine David Seaman at Birmingham City. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. Okay. Next player, Wayne Rooney. He's played for four clubs.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's me, isn't it?
0: Who bid first the first time? Yeah, so yeah, but you, Dan.
1: I can name all four.
0: Damn it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I guess right. I'll go, Dor.
0: Yeah, well, I can't bid any higher than that. So yeah, <laughs> go, go ahead.
1: Uh, so Everton, United, DC United, and Derby County.
2: Yeah, congrats.
1: Screw you.
0: <laughs> so the, quiz, uh, the, quiz is, the quiz in Football with France season two is carrying on like the last one ended. <laughs>
2: Right, hold on a second. One, two, three.
0: So that's uh, so that's two nil.
2: Five.
1: Chris is going to scrap this game after today.
0: Yeah, nil. I think of a, I think of a new one for next week.
2: <laughs> okay, uh, Fernando Torres has played oh. for seven clubs.
0: Oh,
1: that's a tough one.
2: No six. Sorry, got it wrong. Six. Oh no! Wait, hold on. Maybe might be five. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Three, four.
2: Yeah, five. Oh, Sorry.
0: I, I did warn name? people it'd be rough around the edges.
2: You went back to a team so five.
1: We'll nail it <laughs> after today.
2: Rough and ready is good. Um, any ideas? Yes, Chris.
0: Yes, me to bid. I think I can do four.
2: Hey, son Daniel. Uh.
1: I've got four, but I don't know how to pronounce one, so that'll be interesting.
2: Right, so are you going to... What,
1: what? So who goes first, Chris? So
0: you. if you if you can't bid higher, you have to concede and tell me to name them. You've either got to go five or tell me to name them. You can't bid the same. Okay,
1: I see. okay. Uh, yeah, I can only think of four. I can't think of any more, so then, I guess Chris. it's you.
0: Right, so uh, Atletico Madrid... Oh, bollocks. Yeah. You I didn't think of that. Chelsea. Yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. And here's where it gets a bit sketchy. I think, I think, I think, I think he played for Valencia.
2: No, he didn't. Fuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jiang,
1: Jiangsu, is that how you pronounce it?
2: Um, are you trying to pronounce that? The box?
1: Japanese team he played for.
2: That Sagan Tosu.
1: Oh yeah, that's it. I was halfway there.
2: <laughs> so Dan gets the point.
0: Yeah, he does, and that effectively wraps it up at three 0 But I think we'll, we'll do the other two. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the other two just for shits and giggles. Uh, so Fran, who else did? Who did he play for then? Who was the five?
2: He went to Milan on loan. Um, and. Yeah, that Sagan Tosu. Tos, yeah, the Tosu. Japanese
0: team who played Sagan Sagan Tosu is it something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. So yeah, then. at this
0: point it's game setting match because I can't recover from a three nil, but um, let's carry on playing because it's fun.
1: I also wrote down Valencia as well, by the way.
0: Did you? Oh. Ah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Did you have Milan? No, I had Liverpool, Chelsea. I put I knew that jap. Well, I put Jiangsu. I couldn't remember how you pronounced them, and then I put Valencia. Just FYI,
0: would, Fran, would you have given him the point for saying jang Xu?
2: Well, he didn't really get it. So well, you know. I
1: mean, it was something Xu, wasn't it? Can't, no, not, you you can't
0: you can't just, like, get a couple of letters right and then say, yeah, I got the right answer. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have given myself a
2: point. All right, let's next. move on. I wouldn't, um, <laughs> I wouldn't have test test given myself test. a point. The next player is Thierry Omri. Oh, God. <laughs> he has played for one, two, three, four, five teams
1: that's me first as well isn't it? five teams
2: yeah Chris how are you feeling mm,
0: i tell you after Dan makes his bid so I've got three okay I think I can go four mm.
1: so I guess Chris goes does he
0: Well, only unless you want to go all five.
1: I won't know all five, so you can go.
0: Go on then, Chris. Okay. Arsenal. Yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. New York Red Bulls.
2: Yeah. Monaco. Yeah.
0: Mm. There we go. That's the four. And the fifth one, I wasn't sure. Where where was his fifth one?
2: Juventus.
0: Mm. Oh. Oh, yeah, because he was there. He went from there to Arsenal. That was where he started, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: I had Arsenal, Barcelona and New York Red Bulls.
2: Um. Do we want to do another one? Yeah, do
1: one more. Let's Do the last one, yeah.
2: Okay, the last one is... Edison Cavani. <sighs> uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> he has played for one, two, three, four, five teams.
0: I'm gonna say three
1: uh, I know three for sure. I'm just trying to think of a fourth.
0: that's why I put the three in there. that's the kind of the middle of the road
1: <laughs> three ah oh, what's the fourth uh oh bloody hard! i'm just trying to think of the uruguayan team
0: oh are you up to speed on your uruguayan football well we just signed a
1: player from uruguayan teams i'm just trying to think of what team that was right
2: come on (laughs) five is four
1: no
0: okay i only know three
2: right so who's going
0: me them so Manchester united um psg yeah um i'm uh, genuinely i'm not 100 sure on this but i'm gonna say napoli
2: yeah
0: yeah and
2: then um pa- 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 palermo
0: yeah that's Palermo. Right. yeah
2: and then da- danubio
1: yeah that would be the uruguayan team yeah there you go well,
2: there you that's go. Right.
0: dan wins dan wins but i saved face and brought I it back safe. to three two yeah,
2: yeah well done <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, so that's the principle of the game. I, pre- I appreciate it. it was a bit rough around the edges because that was the first time we tried it tonight, but hopefully, um, that will be a uh, good fun to have with our guests as of next week. Um, so yeah, we will be reaching out to some people, but if you, um, if you'd like to be on the show, do get in touch. We're looking for, you know, we'll try and get fans, uh, of different clubs each week, uh, so that we have a good variety of, uh, of chat about certain things. Um, And yeah, we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. Do uh, hit us up on our socials. We are trying to post more on our socials. uh, So keep an eye on that, that and get involved. And of course, we will see you next Monday. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.